You know, when I was um, when I was younger, I I like to think that I was the normal, everyday like kind of kid. But I think looking back, I was a little weird. Um, I'll explain. So growing up in our neighborhood, it was like a little kid's dream because everybody on our street, we were all about the same age, right? So we were all within a grade of each other. And man, we literally would come home from school, drop our backpacks, and we were going to somebody's house to play something. I've always been really active. I've always loved playing sports. And so like we'd drop our backpacks and we would go uh, play wiffle ball in the yard, or we would take golf balls and see how far we could hit them with a baseball bat. Or there was a show that was called Rocket Power when I was a kid. Anybody seen Rocket Power? You guys are a cursed generation. But Rocket Power was awesome, right? And we would pretend we were on Rocket Power, right? So we would get on our trampolines and with a skateboard, and it was a whole thing. Anyways, but one of the biggest things that we did was we had created this football team in our neighborhood. We had created this group. There was, I think, eight of us on the team, all right? We were the Wyndham Woods Arrows. That was our team name. And we practiced four times a week. We had a playbook. We practiced four times a week. One of the kids' moms who lived in our neighborhood, or I'm sorry, his aunt, she worked for Nike. And so she printed us up jerseys, all right? I was number 84 at the time playing quarterback, Randy Moss. Um, Man, I was obsessed with this team, right? We would practice. We would study. There was just one problem. We didn't have anybody to play. Like, there was no other neighborhood football team in Wyndham Woods, right? But in our minds, we had created this, this sounds so stupid as I'm saying it out loud, but we had created this idea that two neighborhoods down was Brookstone, which is where like half of you guys live, right? And we were convinced there was this team named the Brookstone Bandits that lived over there, right? And they were practicing just as much as we were. And one day, we were going to be in the yard practicing, and the Brookstone Bandits were going to come riding down Wyndham Woods Trail Road on their bikes and be like, we want to challenge you guys to a game. And we were going to be ready because we were practicing four times a week. Like, I would lay awake at night thinking about how much I hated this mythical football team that didn't exist. I'm like, we're going to play them, and we're going to destroy them. They don't have a chance. And then we thought, like, what if we went over to Brookstone? Like, what if we went over there to play them? The problem was I wasn't allowed to go past the stop sign on our street. So road games, like, road games were totally out. They were going to have to come to us, and they were going to challenge us to a game. And we were going to find out who the best neighborhood football team was we were going to be able to claim Antioch Road as our own like that would be our turf problem is we practiced for years we never had a game but there's just something about the idea of being challenged that like I don't know about you it like gets me going that is just something that maybe it's just an athletics background or I'm just super competitive but If I'm challenged at something, if somebody's challenging me to something, I am ready to go. Like, let's let's do it. I don't care what it is. I will go 
all out. And this morning, guys, all I'm thinking about as we're in this Go series and we're talking about love, lead, and listen, which is the heartbeat of our ministry, like, I'm going to be 100% honest. Each week that we're in this is a challenge for you guys. Like, it's a challenge to break the status quo of not only, like, what the world believes, but for a lot of you, it's the breaking the status quo of the way you're already living. Because there's so many of us that are living, like, teetering on this fence of, yeah, I, I know Jesus, I like Jesus, but I only want Jesus when he's convenient to me. And we're living, like, right here, where on one side it is, you know what, I'm going to do my own thing, don't need it, don't want to worry about it, whatever. And then there's this other side of, man, I really don't care what anybody else thinks. I don't care what anybody has to say. My life is for Christ. Like, I'm putting everything I want to the side, and I'm chasing after this thing that he set out for me. I want Jesus to use me in big ways. And I would say the majority of our room is sitting here right in the middle. And you're trying to figure out which direction you're going to go. And the honest reality is, whichever direction you decide is going to dictate the course of your life. Like, your life and the decisions you make and the people you meet are going to look completely different depending on which side you go to because you can't live in the middle forever. Like, you can't stay there forever. You've got to pick a side. There's no neutral party in this whole thing. And if you pick one side where it's Jesus, appreciate it, I've got it from here, you've got to think about how different your decision making is. The choices that you make are going to be completely different because you're trying to do it without leaning on a savior. You're just trying to do it by yourself. And you're going to do things that are apart from what God has for you. But on this other side that seems a lot scarier because there's so much to risk, all of the decisions that you're going to make through the course of your life are going to be about glorifying the creator of the universe. Like everything else is great, got it. But this is what it's about. And with each one of these things that we're going to talk through this week, we talked about what it looked like to love people that didn't act like us last week. This week we're focusing in on that lead portion and next week we're talking about that, what it looks like to listen. Each one of those guys, man, we're sitting here in the middle. Some of you have made a decision, but the majority of you have not. You just haven't. My prayer and my challenge for you each week is that you would listen to what God has for you, that you wouldn't be distracted by anything else going on around you. You wouldn't be distracted by, man, stuff you've got going on at home or stuff you've got going on at school, but that you would really tune in and try to hear what God has for you. Because his message isn't just universal to HSM. Like, it is a custom letter to you. It is for you. He has you in mind. 
So as we're getting started, I want us to just real quick recap why these three words matter to us. So I didn't get to do it last week, but Garrett's going to throw it up on the screen. So this is our mission statement just as a ministry um, with HSM. So it says this, HSM empowers students to find their way home and live out an abundant life in Christ. Like above all else, that's what we want to do. So when I show up to work every day, when Chris shows up to work, when Elise shows up to work, when Terry shows up to work, this is our goal. Like, we want to empower you to help you find your way home. And if you've been around North Star for any length of time, that is North Star's mission, just as as a church, from birth, from when they are little babies, to the group of 60-year-olds that meet each week. Like, this is the goal, is to help people find their way home. Not just to a church home, right? We love that you're here. Don't get me wrong. I have a job because you're here, so thank you. But not just to a church home, above all else, ultimately to a heavenly home with a relationship with Christ. Like, that's what this is all about. And we want you guys to live out that abundant life in Christ. We want you to recognize how much can come from living for Jesus. Like it can change everything about your life in an incredible way. So we want you to recognize that, but it's incredibly broad right now. So we decided last year that we were going to narrow the focus for our high school ministry that we were gonna do this through loving, leading, and listening to our community. Here's why we rolled with those. Number one, they all start with an L, right? And it's super easy to remember. Two, if you just take this really broad picture of Jesus, okay? If you just look at Jesus and go, let's take from the stories that we know in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, let's take the stories that we know and see what Jesus did really well in his time here on earth. He loved people really well and still loves people well today. I think we could look at every parable, every interaction somebody has with Jesus, and love is going to be involved. He didn't operate outside of that. So if we're wanting to look like Jesus, I think loving like Jesus is going to be very important. Leading is one that we often overlook and that we don't associate with Christ's time here on earth. He was the greatest leader to ever walk the earth. And he didn't do it through flexing power. He didn't do it through being ranked higher than anybody else. He did it through serving other people. Like, that was Jesus' model to leading. He even says in Scripture, I didn't come here to be served, but I came to serve. And he changed the face of the world by leading this way. You've got to understand how large Christianity is today. Millions and millions of people say yes to Christ and believe that he is the risen son of God. When he began his ministry, zero people believed that. So 2,000 years, zero people believed in Jesus. And he began this period of ministry over three years. Thousands of lives were changed. 
and were so impacted by what they saw and what they learned, they were willing to go out and die for that cause. We could look at a lot of other religions just around the world. Not everybody's willing to die for this cause. And the disciples were, man, the apostles were because they saw it with their own eyes. So Jesus, one of the greatest leaders to ever live. But then when we look at interactions with Jesus and his disciples or Jesus and, man, just members of society, he listens really well. He doesn't just talk over them. He doesn't just yell at them and say, you've got to do this and forget. There's a gentleness and there's a comfort and just a peace when people talk to Jesus, no matter their background. And a lot of people were scared to do it because they thought that he didn't want anything to do with them. And he loved them through the way that he listened. And so as we take those three things, for us, we look at it and go, if we want to look like Christ, I believe it's going to take us embodying the way that he loved, the way that he led, and the way that he listened, and us beginning to do that individually. So everything we do at HSM is going to run through that funnel. Everything that we do, every event that we have, Every sermon that we do is going to be focused on helping you guys to try to do one of these things better. Because if we're not growing, we're going backwards. That's just the reality of walking with Christ. So I just wanted you to see that as we dove into where we were at today and as we focused on the leading portion of, um, man, our mission statement. So we're going to be in Philippians 2 today. Philippians 2 I love this passage. If you're looking for uh, an encouraging place to maybe start reading scripture, Philippians is an awesome place to start because it's a letter um, that Paul is writing. It just, man, it's so encouraging and challenging. um, And it's very short, which I like. I like short books. Anyways, Philippians chapter 2, we're starting this thing off in verse 3. It's going to be up there on the screens if you don't have your Bibles with you. The writer says this in verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let's just pause right there. If, you're, if you've got your phone out and you've got this like on the version app, or if you've got your Bible, I want you to highlight, circle, make a note of Philippians 2.3. Because just as human beings, this is a really big deal. Do nothing from selfish ambition or from conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. The writer notes this because we are bad at this. Human beings were terrible at this 2,000 years ago. And guys, we're bad at this today. Like we just are. People who love Jesus really are bad at this. Like it doesn't matter. We struggle not acting from selfish ambition or conceit. Why? Because we're born into a sinful nature. We're born to think about ourselves. We're born to focus on what I need and what's going to get me ahead. And so for him to say, do nothing 
with those things, that's so countercultural. That's so against the grain of the way the world worked back then and the way that the world works today. It's hard. It's a really hard thing to do. But he follows it with, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. That is a direct thought of Jesus, of the way that he lived his life in that example. Jesus was humble enough to count others more significant than himself. Did he have to? Absolutely not. He was fully God and fully man. Jesus could have done whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted. And yet, that's the life that he chose. Verse four says this, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And then we're getting into who Jesus is, and this is why we're focusing on this passage as we're talking about leading. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death, even death, on a cross. So we see at the beginning of this passage what people have the tendency to do and what we're not supposed to do, right, with the way that we're living. But I love that it's followed up with if we want to be like Jesus, if we want to follow Christ, we have to do this. And this is how he did it. And it gives us this amazing example of the way that Jesus lived his life and what he did. Like, Jesus didn't have to do any of this. I think we often misinterpret that. Jesus didn't have to do this. Jesus could have stayed in heaven the entire time. Jesus could have came to earth and truly been a king. He had the power to do that. But Jesus knew what we were going to need 2,000 years later. He knew what the people then needed. And they needed a humble Savior, somebody that we could go, man, I, I understand that. I want to be like that. I can be like that. So what we're going to talk about today for the next couple of minutes that we've got together is what does it look like to lead for Jesus? Because this is what I believe. Stepping away from Philippians real quick. This is what I believe. Each one of you has the opportunity to lead. I know we can define leadership in a lot of different ways. I'm defining it like this. Each one of you can make an impact. You might not believe that right now. My prayer and my challenge is by the time we leave here today, you know it and you own it. Well, Casey, nobody knows me. I, I've done too much that's been wrong. There's no way I could lead because I don't have my life together. All it takes is a willing heart and a heart that's willing to point to something that's bigger than us, guys. So what I'm telling you at the forefront of this is this applies to all of you. 
whether everybody in school knows you or you've got a core group of three people and they might be the only ones that know your name at your school. You have the opportunity to lead. You have the opportunity to make an impact. You have an opportunity to give them information that could change the rest of their lives and change their eternities. You've got that opportunity. I want us to be a ministry that leads people to Jesus because we're living for Jesus. Like, I don't want to just talk about it. I don't want us to just show up at schools and tell people what they need to know. I want you to show them what they need to know. Like, I want you to own that and live it out. So this is what it looks like to lead for Jesus. This is our first thought. You've got to be humble in a boastful world. It takes humility in a boastful world. We've already talked about Philippians 2.3 and how hard that is to not act from selfish ambition or conceit because humility is a trait that we have to learn. Selfishness is a trait we're born with. How many of you have been around like a child from the age of two to, let's say six? How many of you have been around, maybe you got a sibling, you've babysitted? Okay, perfect. You've all been around them. There's one word like, you don't have to teach a little kid, and it's mine, right? Like, leave me alone, that's mine. What do parents have to teach little kids? They have to teach them how to share, right? They have to teach them that, oh, no, sharing is caring. I was not about that when I was a kid. Like, leave me alone, this is my stuff, I have drawn my safe circle, you go play over there, buddy, all right? We're not going to be cool. We are born with a lack of humility, we're born thinking that we're more than we are. And sometimes that can be masked as an insecurity and all of these different things. But deep down, each of you want to be around people that notice you. Like we want to be noticed. We want to be noticed by our teachers at school for being good students. And if we don't feel like we're good students, we're going to be really bad in that class so that they'll notice, that, notice us that way too. We want to be noticed by our parents by either being really good or if you feel like you can't live up to your parents' standard, you act out and you rebel so that they'll notice you that way. Like we have this whole thing back and forth in our lives where we just want people to notice us. Right? Guys want to be noticed by girls. Girls want to be noticed by guys. And we'll do whatever it takes to get the attention of somebody else. That's reality. And yet, Jesus showed up here and went, it's not what this is about. We could look back to a lot of miracles that Jesus does where he heals the lame allows the blind to see, allows the deaf to hear, and he turns, I was reading this morning, my quiet time, in Mark 7, he, he, he heals a deaf man, and people are giddy about it, like they can't believe it. And he tells them, don't say anything. Now's not the time. Keep this to yourselves. Go and be free. 
Guys, I'm just telling you, if any one of us were Jesus or had that power, you'd heal somebody and go, here's my business card. Feel free to tell anybody you want to know, right? Like, that's just what we do. We want people to notice us. Instagram is the most popular app because we can't handle this. Like, we can't not do this. Being humble in a boastful world is impossible for a lot of people. Therefore, Instagram is the perfect outlet, right? And then we'll get the people who, you know, I don't, I hate to do this, but I'm probably the most humble person I know. Just stop. If that has ever, if that has ever come out of your mouth, if you've ever thought about saying it, I'm going to do you a life favor. Stop it. Like, don't do that. That is, that is not something, humble brags are not great, but we're trying so hard to go, yes, I love Jesus, but I also want people to notice what I'm doing. And guys, this is a struggle that we have as human beings. And yet, Paul makes it clear in Philippians 2, 3 that we're not to do anything out of selfish ambition, which means don't do anything just so you can get ahead. Like, if you're just going and doing something so people will know your name, we've got a problem. So do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Like, you're not humble out of obligation. Being humble out of obligation can last for like a week and then you get tired of it and you want people to notice what you're doing. True humility is serving and you really don't care if anybody ever knows or that you never get the credit. I love seeing stories like this play out in, in just mainstream culture where you'll see people that are really trying to be Behind the scenes, they don't want anybody to know about what they've done. I don't know if you saw the story uh, out in, it was Washington or Oregon, but a kid shows up with a, um, man, he showed up with a gun to school and was going in, just torn apart, and the security officer, who was the football coach, came walking down the hallway, saw him, and just gave him a hug. Kid drops the gun, the class clears out, and they stand there and they embrace in the class for five minutes. It's a, one of the most powerful things I've ever seen. But he didn't release the story, didn't really want it to be released. He just, he was doing his job. He was loving people. Guys, we've got to find a way to be humble in a boastful world if we're going to lead for Jesus. That's what people notice, okay? The second way that we can lead for Jesus is be selfless in a selfish world. Be selfless in a selfish world. Can we all just agree across the board, people that you go to school with and spend time with are selfish. Can I just get a show of hands? Yes. People are selfish. Guys, I am selfish. If I am down to two pieces of gum, and you come to me and go, hey man, you got any gum? Uh, no, no, I'm, 
I'm out. Like, I have none. I have none left. Knowing that I'm going to eat those two pieces over two days. I don't want to be left with just one piece, right? We, we live in a selfish culture. In fact, we're not only born as selfish people. Like, our culture promotes selfishness. The world we live in in 2020 promotes selfishness. Like, if you want to get to the top, if you want to be the greatest, if you want to be known, you've got to cut people, backstab them, do what you have to do to get there. That's what the world tells us. That's what society says. You want to be the best? You take out whoever's in front of you. You do what you have to do to get there. Philippians 2.4 said this. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So you've got the opportunity to think like this because of who Jesus is. Like, you don't have to give in to what the world says because of the way that Jesus lived. And I love the fact that Paul isn't just giving us a life suggestion here. He's not saying, hey, if you want to figure things out, if you want Jesus to maybe love you a little more, try this. It's not like Googling something, trying to get the solution, and it gives you like five different things that might fit you. This is a command. If you look at the way that it's written, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Guys, that is what we're supposed to do, plain and simple. That is how we're supposed to live our lives. That's what we have been called to. And yet, we live in a selfish world. And sometimes we're selfish, just being honest, Sometimes we're selfish just because we're arrogant. Like there's some of us that we think that we are better than somebody else. And so we live selfishly. But then there's a lot of us that are selfish because we're so scared of what else exists. We're terrified to be anything less because we don't know how people are gonna react. But whatever the reasoning is, we're acting selfishly, selfishly. I just think that it's so interesting that even being self-centered leaves us looking for something. Like when we live life focused on us, we're still trying to figure out what's missing. We still feel a void. And we try filling it through all kinds of things, but you still feel a void. So even when you're focused on you, which you would think would fix everything, it still doesn't feel right. Like it still feels empty. We can lie about it all we want and we can put on the bravest face. But when you lay your head on the pillow at night, it feels empty living that way. The only thing that fills that void is Jesus and living for Jesus. A 
a lot of people will say, well, Casey, I believe in Jesus and I don't feel anything. Well, are you living for Jesus? Or is it just the cards you're wanting to pull out of your back pocket and go, okay, why isn't my life working? Like, work now. Make me better. We've got to live for something. Right? So we've got to be selfless in the self-centered world. Here's our final thought on what it looks like to lead for Jesus. It's about pointing people to something greater than us. This is maybe, guys, what I'm most passionate about in life. And I'm most passionate about it because, honestly, it scares the heck out of me. It scares me to point people to Jesus. I get scared of what people are going to think. I worry about how they're going to respond. I don't want to lose their friendship. I don't want them to think of me as, man, the dude's crazy, right? I don't want that. And so there's this pull in me of, I'll do the bare minimum. And just what I've realized in my own personal journey is the bare minimum is not enough. Like, this is what life is about. Henry Blackaby says this, leadership is about pointing people to your agenda and what you want, a way to get you ahead. Spiritual leadership is about pointing people to God's agenda and what God has for their lives. Guys, I'm telling you, if we grasp this together, because I'm right there in the thick of it with you, if we grasp this idea together, you can take a look around this room because it won't look the same. Like if this, if this room continually looks the same and you're okay with that, that's not good. But Casey, I like my group, I like my, my people that I hang out with at church and I see everybody. Guys, that's not good. Jesus didn't just have his disciples and he didn't want them to just stay together. The idea was for them to take the message and spread it all over the world. And that idea hasn't changed, but our thought process has. Because we're so scared of what we're risking. It is in you. When you say yes to Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the living God resides in you. So yeah, you can do this. You can be the one that makes a difference. Quit waiting on somebody else at your school to fix the problem and be the solution yourself. You can do it. Guys, I could go name by name around this room because I believe in you that much. Like, Sean, dude, I believe that God can do something incredible through you at Alatuna. I believe he's given you that platform. I believe he's given you that heart. Like, I really do. Cole, I believe the same thing. I believe God can use you in huge ways. Case and I believe the same thing for you. I believe God can do something amazing at Mount Perrin where everybody assumes that people are supposed to have their life together. I believe you can be the change there. 
Tian, I believe you could be the, the change at Sprayberry. I mean, you could bring Jesus to that school. Guys, I believe that about every single person in this room. If I didn't, I wouldn't say it and I wouldn't be up here. I would have talked about something else. You can do this. You can lead for Jesus. You can be bigger than the culture. But you gotta get off that fence. Like you just, you've gotta get off the fence. If you try staying there, this room will look the same for the next however many years. We will not change, we won't grow, we won't adapt, we'll just keep doing the same thing, wondering why people don't know Jesus. I don't wanna just talk about how bad the world is, I wanna invite the world in so that they can hear truth and hear the thing that can change their lives. Guys, I want this place to be different. I love it here. I don't want to be anywhere else. But I want it to be different because we're so passionate about other people and that you're living your lives leading for Jesus. Do that, you have zero regrets. Whether you know 20 people that come to know Jesus, that's awesome. Praise him if that happens. Maybe just one does. Guys, it'd be worth it. You can do this. But you've got to make that decision yourselves. Would you pray with me? Father, I, God, I believe you're doing something in this room right now. And God, I pray that each and every student, man, they feel something in their hearts right now. And that they know that they're loved by you, they're accepted by you, but that you want to use them. Like, God, you have big plans for their lives. No matter what their parents have tried to tell them, what a counselor's tried to tell them, a teacher, a coach, God, you want to use them in real big ways. And we don't want to just be a part of the culture. We want to change it. Like we want to go and we want to change the way people think and the way people live their lives by leading for your son. And so I just want to do this right now. Man, if you're sitting in here and you're going, I believe wholeheartedly God could use me at Alatoona, at Harrison, Kennesaw Mountain, North Cobb, North Cobb Christian, Mount Perrin, Sprayberry, Etowah, Hillgrove, North Paulding, wherever, if you believe that God could use you there and you want to be used, you want to lead for Jesus, I'm gonna ask you to take your first bold step of many. I'm just gonna ask you to just stand up right where you're at. I just want you to stand up. One person in the room might stand up. Nobody might stand up. We're, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. This is a you decision. It's not a decision about your neighbor. This is a you decision. Leaders in the back, I'd love if we could just surround the room. Some of you go down this, hall, this wall, some of you on the other side. And I just want you to lift a hand towards these students. 
and just pray for them. And pray for what God's going to do in them. Because I believe we just had a whole lot of people jump to the right side of the fence. Ready to take the challenge. Not scared of what's ahead. But just ready to live for Jesus. And lead for Jesus. As we sing this next song, leaders, I'd love if we could just continue to pray for these students through it. If you see one of yours that's in a group and you want to go put an arm around them, encourage them, do it. If you want to stand on the wall and just pray for them, do it. But guys, I want this moment to be life-changing. I want this to be a life-shaping and defining moment for you personally. And when we walk out of here, we're walking out of here grasping that challenge with both hands and running full steam ahead until the whole world knows why Jesus came and how much he loves them today. Father, thank you for that opportunity. Thank you for the chance to get to do this. And thank you for the life change we're about to see in this community. Lord, we love you. We thank you. It's your name we pray. Amen.